Okay, Second Chronicles. Um, this is somewhere back uh, in the first, uh, about an third of the Old Testament. Uh, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Then I'm going to skip ahead to another part. I'll, I'll tell you why later. This is a little bit of a different message. I like to read a passage and then work from it. But tonight, I'm going to read a few passages and just touch on them quickly and point us, I hope, tonight to give some, uh, some tools, even some weapons for us for our Christian life for this year. Just like I think it's a weapon to say, you know, we need to have the, the word in us to fight the battles of life that we're all going to face. Here's another one, as you've been seeing up there, the power of praise. Well, Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. All the work that Solomon performed for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things that David, his father, had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and all the utensils, and put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the father's households of the sons of Israel, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. So he's bringing this thing into the new temple. It's been built, and he wants to dedicate it. Skip ahead to verses 11 to 14. Here's what the ceremony looked like. Uh, verse 11. Um, and when the priests came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions. Um, we don't need to know the detail of all that. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Jedithan, and their sons and kinsmen, clothed in fine linen, they had certain robes they were to wear, with cymbals, harps, lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets. In unison, when the trumpeters... Um, in, in unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice, like we were singing, to praise and to glorify the Lord, and then they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, he is indeed, he indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Oh, God, do it. Amen. Amen. They're singing, they're worshiping in, in oneness, in one accord. And it was so sweet that the, the very glory of God filled the place. Then we skip ahead to chapter 7, verses 1 to 3, and it says that when the uh, Holy Spirit, or when the glory of God filled the temple, they couldn't even stand up to minister in there. Solomon began to pray. He's outside. He finishes his prayer. It says, now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. They had an offering already laid on the altar. Fire came down from heaven, i.e., it's like lightning. What It's like Fire came down and consumed the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house again, and the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord 
filled the Lord's house. And all the sons of Israel, and they say it that way, sorry ladies, but it means all the people of Israel. And all the people of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, bowed down on the pavement around the temple with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave praise to the Lord, saying, Truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness is everlasting. This, they started worshiping and the glory of God came into the temple so that they couldn't even stand up. And what they got out of it, very similar to what Moses got on the mountain when the glory of the Lord passed by, was this. This is what they took away from it. Truly he is good. Truly, his loving kindness is everlasting. <gasps> the glory of God that is so rich and thick, they can't even stand up. And the thing they take away is he's good. It's like in that cloud was the goodness of God, the love of God. They were touched. It wasn't just, wow, this is different. This is scary. Oh, look at the colors. Oh, you know, some kind of trip. No, they come away. The God is good and he's mighty. And his loving kindness endures forever. He's perfect. That's what they came away with. How glorious is that? Now, I say that because I want to equip us like I want to equip us as people of the word. I want to equip us as people of praise. Now, that sounds like, okay, I, you know, that doesn't seem like it should rank up there. Oh, it does. Giving praise to God. Honoring God, speaking well of God, blessing God. I mean, God blesses us, but we bless him. It means out of our mouth, like, bless the Lord, O my soul. It means speak well of him. Declare who he is. And here's what's glorious about praise, is it has uh, a range, a variety of effects in the earth. God gives it to us to use to declare who God is and different things take place. It's powerful. Uh, and I want us to be people who do it, who praise. And it comes out of our mouth. We express our praise. We don't just feel sentimental about God and say, oh, yeah, I, I think that. I think God's really great. Let it come out of your mouth. There's something powerful about it when it comes out. Same with what Casey was just saying about the word saying, oh, do I, do I say it now? Do I speak out what Jesus did? Yeah, something powerful happens when we do. And it has, something powerful happens when we worship, not just here, but when we do that at home, when we take the time to lift him up. And some of those times where, like Casey said again, that she's been challenged and she sees Jesus in the midst of the challenge. Well, if we didn't see Jesus in the midst of challenges, we would see him very little, right? Because there's always challenges. They're always there. So I want to be used to praising him in the midst of challenges. And I'm, I expect to see him in the midst of challenges. He doesn't just show up when times are good. He, he, he's there all the time, even in the storms. Over and over and over in the Gospels, we see that. And he gives us praise as a tool for our lives to get work done, to get things done, to minister, to minister to him, 
In Acts 13, it talks about they were ministering to the Lord. means they were praising him. They were worshiping him. They were up. Uh, they were uh, exalting him, lifting him up. And it's a tool for us to get other work done. We speak praise. We, we do all kinds of... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll leave that. It's also a weapon. And we're going to touch on those things in just a moment. But we need to do it, and we need to do it more. And we need to do it for the glory of God. Amen? Okay. Uh, and it look a lot of there's there's a lot of different ways that praise looks, but we need to start. We need to start doing it, even if it seems rudimentary, even if it seems like we're basic in it. And one of the beautiful things about getting the word in us is we get a praise vocabulary. We start knowing how we can speak to God. We start knowing what is good about God, and we can declare those kind of things. People. We want to be a people of praise for a number of reasons. We don't have to limit ourselves individually or corporately to some narrow view of praise that it only looks one way. No, it can be, it, it looks a lot of different ways in a lot of different circumstances. Several years ago, I audited a course. I think it was a week. It might have been two weeks at Regent College, and it was a course on worship. I was a worship leader, and I thought, I'm going to go in here. There was a, a woman t from, uh, I think, Portland or somewhere uh, just a little ways south who was teaching this course, and there were some good things that I learned from it. But one morning, um, one there was kind of a discussion in the class. I don't know. It was maybe 100 people in this class. It was in the main auditorium at Regent. And one young woman voiced her displeasure with going into churches that were inauthentic. And she said, there are churches that you go in, and she said, and the first song is always raucous, and it's got to be a certain way. And, oh, and she, she just, her summation of it was that it was inauthentic, and it was plastic, and it just didn't, you know, and she was down on it. And, you know, sometimes in a crowd like that, once one person says something like that, next thing it's like everybody's, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like they're all going with it. And I, I thought, like, I could hear what she was saying. I've experienced that, uh, you know, that lack of authenticity at times, and sometimes it was me leading it, and we're in the middle of it, and I'm thinking, this just feels like like we're going through the motions. This isn't good. Um, you know, and I want to I wanna be sensitive to God, so I want to change course. It's like, I feel like we're just making noise right now, and I want it to be authentic. But she was saying this about churches, and she said more to describe it, and I thought, well, that's true. But then, as can happen with that kind of thing, it's like everybody was on board with what she was saying, but it was like the conversation kept going. It's like, now we're falling in the ditch on the other side of the road that we should all come into church, you know, with our little flog and we're whipping it. Oh, I'm a worm. I don't deserve anything from God. I suck. You know, like <laughs> this kind of thing. As though somehow the opposite would be authentic. And I thought, Good Friday, celebration of the cross, will often not sound like or look like Resurrection Sunday morning, right? There's a point where lament is a good thing. And it's all through the Bible. 
uh, you know, it's all through the Bible where you read the Psalms and David starts out, oh God, my sin is, is so, uh, it's like crimson and I need you to clean me and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, creating me a clean heart against you I have sinned and he's calling out to God and by the end of that Psalm, it's like, he sees a glimmer of hope, and he's calling him. But then there are other psalms. You go to the very end of the book of Psalms, and it's like, praise him, you highest heavens. Praise him, you angels. Praise him with the symbols. Praise him with the loud symbols. I didn't know there were quiet ones. Praise him with all of it, with the stringed instruments, with shouts, with trumpets, with everything. Rah! There's a time, right? There's a, for all of it. It's all got a context. And so... I don't want to fall in either ditch. There's a time, but there's for, for all kinds of praise. And I've been in those times where it's like, okay, God, I'm going to praise you because I'm challenged right now. And I don't even feel like I like you very much. Sorry to say that, but I've had those moments. Have you? Where it's like, God, you, I feel like I was trusting you and I'm hurting, and where I'm at, I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I don't understand. I mean, I'm getting better about that. I'm, you know, I'm getting to be, you know, a, a slightly older young man. Um, but there's, it's, it's like so. You know, I know now how it kind of goes. It doesn't always shock me when I'm in the midst of it. It's like, but there's times where I'm I'm challenged by what's going on, and I feel like God's not holding up His end of the bargain. It seems like the promises aren't coming true. But I know now that he, not a word He speaks will ever fail. And so, in the midst of those times, I can say. Even with gritted teeth, God, I will praise you. I will trust you. And I know that somehow, you know, that famous expression people use, this too shall pass. Well, maybe it's become trite, but it's true. Like, things will, things will go by. The storms will come, for sure, but they'll, they'll pass away. Okay, that's a really long intro. The Bible has got 66 books in it, and all of them help give us a vocabulary for praise. All of them are good. We can employ all of it, New Testament, Old Testament, in giving God the praise he deserves. But I want to give special attention to the book of Psalms. It's been called for uh, millennia now the church's hymn book. Because it covers the range of emotion. It covers, if you look at the context, covers the range of life situations, broken relationships, rebellion, upheaval, uh, death, and lament. There are some things where in the Psalms, you know, it would be considered kind of, it would be considered violent. The things spoken that seem quite harsh. You need the Bible for that this part of your life to be a person of praise we need it and the book of psalms we need i i've had this practice for years now of reading through the psalms and sometimes when i'm praying i am distracted and i don't know how to 
get started, and I'll have one of the psalms open, and I just start at a certain point, and I slowly work my way through day after day, and I have a bookmark in there so I know, okay, I was reading Psalm 10 was the last one I read, so the next one I'm going to read is Psalm 11. Sometimes in my prayer time, I don't even pick it up because I'm kind of going and I'm worshiping him without it, but sometimes I need some help. I need a vocabulary. I need something to focus my thoughts. So I take out the word and I start reading it and I'll start reading this psalm. Sometimes I don't get past the first verse and that's fine. Sometimes I read the whole thing and then I begin to praise and to worship him and there are words that I can use to do it and it helps me forget about myself for a bit and get focused on the Lord. Amen? Follow me so far? And with that... I don't mean I'm legalistically bound to do it. Some days, as I say, I do it. Other days, I don't. But I have this word to benefit me and to sort of fill in some gaps where all I'm thinking about is what's coming up later in the day. And it's like, no, I want to give this time to God and focus on him. And so I found great benefit in the Psalms helping me worship in spirit and in truth and it's it's God's words and I use them to speak them back to him some of them I memorize I have some psalms memorized so that when I'm on my prayer walk I mean I've got my phone with me a lot and I'll take it out sometimes to you know a verse will come to mind and I'll take look it out uh, look it up but I have some psalms memorized so I'm walking and I'm saying I will extol you my God O King and I will bless your name forever and ever Every day I will bless you, and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation will praise your works to another, and will declare your mighty works. And sometimes I get somewhere like that, and all of a sudden it's like, your mighty works, and I get thinking, and God takes me somewhere with that. But I speak out that praise to him, and it's kind of like Casey was saying about the word, The praise is new over and over. It's like, oh, great are you, Lord, and highly to be praised, and your greatness is unsearchable, and I'm just caught up in that. Like, he's, he's infinitely good. He's glorious. And so there are a number of words in the Bible that are translated praise. And, but the basic idea is to prize or to value. That's what that means praise means to prize so it's like oh i'm prizing him i'm valuing him again like the word last week worship worthship it's about his worth about his value about how much i prize him above other things above all other things i prize you lord and so i want to tell myself like david did Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like he's talking to himself. He's telling himself, get this right. Praise God, O my soul. Come on, get in gear and give him the praise he deserves. How many here talk to themselves ever at any time? Nobody wants to admit to that. You bunch of weirdos. Really? (laughs) Nobody wants to admit to it. It's good. There's a time to tell yourself, get with it. I mean, I say that. How many speak things like this? Oh, you dummy. Oh, you're so stupid at times. 
Now, we shouldn't be saying those things about ourselves, but I, I know I do it. It's like, oh, John, you idiot. And usually when that happens, I'll hear Rose from the other room, amen. <laughs> no, that isn't true. She doesn't. <laughs> the kids do, but Rose doesn't. Um, that, but speak to yourself and call yourself up. Come on, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Come on, get in gear. Come on, soul, give him praise like he deserves. I will say of you, Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'll say it. I'm telling myself to give him praise. So I want to cover this really quickly. Um, Praise, there are aspects of praise, things that it does, and different ways that it's expressed. And there's great overlap in here. So I'm going to try to do this really quickly. Um, A lot of it is very obvious. Number one, gratitude. Praise expresses gratitude. You look in the Psalms, oh my goodness, it's all over the place. Uh, Look at the Psalms in the 90s, like 91, 92. There's so much of this. Um, 92, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. And then he starts talking about musical instruments, but he's saying to give thanks. Uh, Psalm 105 says this. I, I like the way this is worded. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples or the nations. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually or evermore. Like, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Like, give thanks. Gratitude. It's, it's there a lot in the Bible. Amen? Faith. Faith and encouragement. Praise helps to... It stirs and builds faith in us when we do it. Why? Because we come and we worship and we sing, you're the same God. You answered prayers back then. You answer prayer now. You set captives free I'm forgetting the words as badly as I did when we sang it a moment ago. You you set the captives free back then. You're still doing it now. And it's like we start remembering. Those are true things. And what happens? God already knew it. Sometimes I feel like it's funny. I'm telling God, God, you're righteous, you know, in a song. God, you're you're holy. And it's kind of like, yeah, I know. Uh, But I need to know it. I need to remember it. And it comes to mind, and I remember, yeah, that's who the God is that we serve. And I'm reminded, and my praise does something, my praise of him does something in my spirit, declaring the truth. The truth comes out. And it does something for others. I've noticed this many years ago, because I've been in church now for a little over 40 years of my life, Um, not for the first uh, 23, but then I was in church almost all the time. Uh, And I noticed this, sitting behind somebody when somebody was preaching and they would speak something true and you say, amen, or true. And I would see the people around me just by hearing, amen, you're affirming. Yes, I heard the truth, it's true. And I'd see people nodding. And I don't even know that they were aware that they were doing it. It's like something about praise is infectious. It goes to somebody else and they... it. It gets on somebody else. Hey, someone's 
praising God. They're giving him glory. And my unbelief or my bad attitude, you know, starts to get affected by other people's praise. And, you know, we had a guy in our church in Kitsilano named Kirk who was just a, a lover of God. And he was at the back for a while. He, we needed some people to help usher. This was back when ushering meant going with a basket and collecting the offering and welcoming people in and that. And Kirk was a servant, so he said, okay, I'll do it. And after about a month, he said, John, I can't do it. I'm so angry after a few minutes because of all the people that come to church late, the same people every week carrying their Tim Hortons cup, and they're coming. Now, if you've got a Tim Hortons cup here, you don't have to hide it underneath. No one's going to condemn you. But he said, it's the same people every week, and they come late to church. And he said, and I want to worship. So he came back to the front so that he could... He could dance, he could lift his hands, he'd be on his knees, he'd be, he just wanted to express his worship to God, and at the back, he was being infected by people coming late, and he came to the front, but then other people would tell me, oh, that guy at the front, he just made me want to worship, because they're seeing him. It was even better that he wasn't back there, because now he's at the front, and they're seeing, and he was impacting how others were. One of the best worship leaders I ever saw was a lady her husband wrote a ton of worship music and in I think it was about 87 1987 he they put out uh, a worship recording that uh, it was kind of like the grand slam every song on it was just glorious worship and they came to Vancouver and they were at Glad Tidings Church, which seats a little over 2,000 people. And the place was pretty full. And um, it was an evening thing. And the guy, his name was Bob Fitz, he's leading worship. And he said, my wife always is on the stage with me worshiping, but she actually can't sing. So she, you'll notice she doesn't have a microphone. And, but... The whole time he's leading and writing these great songs and he's the worship leader, I couldn't take my eyes off of her. She was just so free and gloriously worshiping Jesus. She made the experience and it's like, you know, a couple times got close to the mic. <laughs> you know, no, I'm kidding. That didn't really happen. It's like it didn't matter that she wasn't singing, that she wasn't playing an instrument. She was the worship leader. She was so... Uh, drawing others into, into praise, into that. So faith and encouragement are stirred when we praise God. Now, there's so many scriptural examples. I'd, I'd love to give them, uh, give them all, but I'm not going to stop. I'm just, I'll, if, if you want some of these, come and see me. Maybe I'll even post something online. Um, but you can, all through the Bible, people would praise and faith went up. And there's a story of Paul and Silas in a prison even. After being beaten. Arrested and beaten. Stuck in prison. Their feet in stocks. They've been flogged. They've been whipped. And they're in prison. And it says about midnight. They started to pray and sing praises. And it's so powerful to think that they start doing that in prison. And it said, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And then there was an earthquake 
So the, and this, is, this is a really, this is a God earthquake. There was an earthquake and all the prison doors opened up. It's not funny. Like the building could have collapsed, but no, the doors just opened up and chains fell off. It's like, that's a cool earthquake. And God did that while they praised. The jailer runs in thinking his life is forfeited because if all the prisoners get away, the, you know, culturally that's what would happen. He'd be killed. And he runs in, says, what do I have to do to be saved? They preach the gospel to him and his family. They all get saved and baptized. The, the city is, is shocked to see what happens, and he gets to leave. This guy, Paul, gets to walk out as kind of a hero. But it's because they start to praise. In the midst of having been flogged, having been pr- imprisoned, having been chained, but they start to give praise to God, and others heard it and got touched by it, encouraged And faith got built. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Acknowledging his works and his worth. is Now, I already touched on this. We praise, we're declaring, we're acknowledging what he's done. There's an interesting one, Psalm 136. If you read Psalm 136, every second verse is just, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. It's like... But it goes through the works of God. You open the Red Sea, for he is good, his mercy or his loving kindness endures forever. You led your people through like on a highway. His love endures forever. Uh, you established, you made the walls of Jericho fall down. His love endures forever. He goes through. There's something about acknowledging his works and his value, his worth. Okay, four. Praise is a natural completing response. Now this one, I just want to explain for a second because it sounds a little funny. The other ones are maybe more obvious, but it's like this. You know this experience in your life. You go to a concert or you go to, I don't know, like a hockey game or something like that, and when something good happens, what do you do? It's like thinking of a sporting event, like Seattle is known for their, uh, their uh, stadium, the, the crowd that watches their football team is known, they said, the amount of noise is equal to, I forget what grade earthquake. The, the, there's, it's so loud what they're doing, and some of it is almost involuntary. Have you ever been at a sporting event or a concert where somebody is just so in, does something really incredible, and when it ends, what what do you do? Oh, that was good. Let's go for lunch. No, you yeah, you can't even help it. Somebody scores like the game is tight. The game is tight, and all of a sudden somebody scores, and it's like wah, like you know you hear that sound in the stadium. <sighs> they come close, and then when they score, it goes crazy, right? It's a completing response. If you were told you can't do that, whoa, it would be so unnatural, wouldn't it? I mean, if you were told, no, nobody can make any noise in here. Oh, the Canucks scored. Wow, the Canucks scored, and I can't even cheer? Wow, that's, this has never happened before. Um, it's like you, you have to do it, right? And praising God is like a completing, a natural completing response when you start to see something about what he's done and who he is, you, you've got to respond with some kind, of, um, some kind of praise, some kind of cheer. Praise is a weapon in 
Uh, Psalm uh, 149, verse 6, it actually says that. With the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. It says we inflict judgment on the, on the enemy in the spirit realm. The, the prince is in the spirit realm. There's praise does some damage in that realm. There's something good about it. The times that I've been involved in praying for someone who was badly demonized, there were times that we didn't know how to kind of proceed. We're, we're kind of stuck, and this person is oppressed by some evil spirit. And it's like, I found one of the great weapons was praise. It's like, let's just not waste time with this. We just began to praise, and it's like, Every home we've ever lived in, I started with that. We got into the new home. I went into every corner of the house, and I just, this is your territory, God. I give you praise and glory in this place. Your name, Jesus, is going to be heard here. And that kind, there's something about praise. It, it puts the enemy in confusion. And there's a story, you know it. King Jehoshaphat has the Moabites and the Ammonites, who were the children of Lot. They're coming against this huge army. They're coming against him. And they, they call a prayer, a prayer meeting, and they fast, and they say, we, they actually say, we know we're no match for this vast army. There's no way. We're a little country here, and here's this vast army that's coming. They don't like us. They're, they're going to wipe us out. God, what do we do? A prophet stands up and says, don't worry. The battle's not yours. God, and it's like, Okay, well, that sounds like good news. We'd like to believe you. But then what they do, they actually do believe him. And what Jehoshaphat does is, here's his army. They do send out the army. Not, they're already told, you're not going to have to fight. Just stand and see the salvation of God. But they send them out anyway. But I love this. They send out the musicians in front of them. <laughs> like, some of those guys are weird. Let's put them out there. So if something happens, you know, they'll be gone. No, they send out the, the worshipers, and they go out, and they sang that same song again. The Lord is good, and his loving kindness endures forever. And they went out, and it says, as they did it, as they sang and played instruments, God set ambushes, which I don't exactly even know what that was in the natural, but it says that there were three nations that were coming to get them. Two of them turned on one of them, and they wiped them out, and then when they were done, they turned on each other, and they killed each other, and it says by the time, <laughs> by the, time the Jews got there, they looked and everybody was dead. And it, it, they took like four days collecting all of the riches that they had picked up along their way coming there. So God turned it around completely. Not only was the weapon of praise there that wiped them out, but it also, they, they got blessed in this particular case. Now, don't leave here and say, Pastor John told us that when we go home and sing, riches are going to land in our, you know, our living room. That's not true. But so... Praise is a weapon. Praise also enthrones God. Psalm 22 says, you know, God, you're enthroned in the praises of your people. We want God here. Lastly, I want to just say, praise brings a spiritual climate change. Um, I'm for this kind of climate change. There is something that takes place when we worship 
And this is the overlap. It's kind of like with Paul and Silas in the prison. There's one spiritual climate. They don't want your Jesus here. They don't want you preaching about Christ here. But they begin so much that they're so opposed that they beat them, threw them in jail. But then they start worshiping. And what happens? God turned it around. That jailer got saved and his whole household and baptized. I'm sure it didn't just stay there. I'm sure that then it kept spreading. Something There was a spiritual climate change, and we've had it. There's, you all know Brenda, or most of you know Brenda, who comes to our church. Brenda has told me before that she's okay with me saying this. She had a past in the occult. And one time when she was fairly, a fairly new believer, she was in church, and she was standing beside an evangelist from our church, a big guy, uh, 6'3", red hair, muscle-bound guy. And she's standing beside him, and we started to worship. And she said, because she was sensitive to these kinds of things because of all of the, her involvement in the past stuff, she said, Darwin, I can see in the spirit realm there are demons flying around this room. They're disrupting worship. They don't like what's happening here. There's a disturbance in the spirit. And Darwin just said, let's pray. And they started praying, and we felt it. This was an amazing thing. As we're praising, and they started praying, all of a sudden, we went from kind of pressing forward, trying to worship, and we felt it. It was like, and Brenda said, no, they're gone. Like, she saw this thing happen, and it was like, we felt the freedom. It was so glorious. It was like, we just sort of broke through. We could tell something has changed. And I didn't even know about that till after the service. And it was, it was just like, those things are, how many believe in the supernatural world? There are things going on, there's a, and there's a battle going on in the, in the spirit realm for your soul and the souls of the people of our nation. Some of these things we were praying about earlier, praise is one of the things to change the climate, that we be a people of praise, constantly saying, God, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. We laud you. We lift you up. We exalt you. You're beautiful to us, God. You are perfect in all your ways, and we love you, and we want you here, and we declare that this is true. These things are so. And God's like, okay, that's a place I'm welcome. I like it here. And he comes in, and his presence comes in and displaces the presence of displaces the darkness displaces the unbelief displaces the ugliness of the world and god gets glory i want him to get more glory i want this to be a place where we say we're not gonna be ruled by the the apathy or the lethargy or the unbelief or the spiritual darkness or we hear oh we, you know, the occult is on the rise. Oh, whatever. To God, it's, it's, it's puny. We're going to praise him. We're going to do that. Let's do it in this place. Father, I pray that you'd make every person in this room an even more powerful worshiper than they've been. That 
praise would be in their hand. Praise would be in their mouth. That praise would be like a weapon in our hand. And that we would declare your glory, your goodness, your love. We would declare the truth and see you do the things you've done before. We thank you for it, God. I pray for a new grace on the people here that just like in Casey's testimony, God, where she picked up uh, a challenge or, or some advice and it be, it's becoming a, light, a source of life to her. I pray that this would be as well in Jesus' great name. That even now, you would enable us to, to add this to our sort of lifestyle in Jesus' name. Bless the people here, Father God. Bless those that aren't here tonight. Encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen.